Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst The Trevor Brooklyn and Billy Bones A Paolo DiCaprio West Ham United We celebrate our victories We stick together in defeat Hello and welcome again to More Than Just A Podcast podcast. Um, I'm George. I'm with John. Hello, John. Hello. Good evening. I'm with Sean. Hello, Sean. Good evening, young Georgie Borgie. And there's no special guest in the shape of Welsh Under-21's national midfielder and AFC Wimbledon midfielder, Rhys Jones, this evening. Because it's his brother's birthday. This is correct. And they've gone out for a nice family meal. At Nando's. I don't know where it is. (laughs) Um, Sean, where are we starting? We started in Southampton. Well, let's do... I know we did the outside broadcast, which uh, I listened back. I thought it was quite amusing. Uh, That's just me. (laughs) Well well done. (laughs) And uh, I thought we would, you know, cover it all. You know, we we said we might go into a little bit more detail. I don't think we need to spend too long on it. But, yeah, what are our thoughts with hindsight? I I think at the time the emotions were running high. The referee was atrocious. I still believe that Probert is he's a joke. But I think we're doing. We looked good up until we went down to two, ten men, and we looked strong still. I think I think we're doing well. I'm optimistic, Sean. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you for for like the third time in a week. Uh, yeah, I thought we did play well considering. Um, you know, it, it, telling tale that we only scored from a penalty again. As one of our guests, Andy, on the podcast said, on the outside broadcast. But I want to talk about the sending off incident. We sort of said, nah, it wasn't. And then I watched, well, there were two steals printed in the paper, weren't there? The first steal of his hands around his neck uh, and another one where he seemed to be touching his face. So you're trying to say still? Still, yeah. Still. So uh, a a photograph still. Is that not? Still. Yeah, still. Still. My pronunciation. Um, I didn't understand what a steal was. All right, a steal, yes. So, um, but then I watched the video. I don't know if you watched it on BBC. No, I've not seen the video. So I watched the video quite closely. And he does make contact close to his neck. But, you know, is really it clear, sharp. Then? Is, it a clear, is it clear on that film? <laughs> it's not clear, clear. But it does look more likely that it was very upper chest. And you could see 
the linesman or the referee giving the benefit of the well, doubt to Billy Sharp. Billy yet, Sharp made an absolute meal of it. Don't get me wrong. He yeah, spun over and he thing, should get a BAFTA or an Oscar. But, you know, Matty Taylor should not have done it. What was he doing? No, it was why, stupid, wasn't it? Why was he defending Mark Noble? Mark Noble can fight his own battles. And to run over that far and to confront him, he tried to catch him first. He ran past him. I don't know if you saw this. He ran try, and kept, tried to catch him. He missed him and then ran right over to him and then seemed to push him. And then, you know, it, again. Well, he must have done something to Riley and we'll I heard off. we were were appealing it. I'd read in... Well, are we, are we are appealing it, are we? Yeah, well, no, I heard not, that. It, well, it was reported by one of the blogs we were appealing, but you're right, I haven't seen any official confirmation any that we are appealing. I don't think it's worth it, really, because it gets extended if he's found to still be guilty of free match ban. It will be extended yeah, a, to four. A frivolous appeal. And anyway. He, well, he, he clearly... Shouldn't have reacted that we, way. We play quite well with 10 men. And, you know, uh, I think Matty Taylor was doing all right. He needs to learn a lesson. But we've got to move on from this. George, you must have an opinion on, on the game and sending off. On the game, I thought, like you, I think we played very well. If we'd have kept 11 men on the pitch, I think we would have won that game comfortably, personally, from the 20 minutes we had yeah. 10, 11 yeah, men no, on I mean, the pitch. We, we were pretty much, you know, we yeah, could have scored the first the two minutes, didn't we? It's like... Well, I thought Vazte and, and Nicky Maynard looked quite sharp as yeah, well. Vazte definitely looked really good. And Nicky Maynard, he had a, one good shot that Maynard was saved. Really, really good around. save, wasn't it? It was a, yeah. I, I know this term is overused, but it was a world-class save. No, it was a good save. That's how we use that. Too, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Good. Good. good, good, good point. Good, solid good. point. But we're no longer top of the league. We are not top of the league. We are not top of the league. No, we're not. Until tomorrow night. Blackpool, but more of that later. I haven't put that in the running order. No. Um, we go into West Ham till I die now. Mr. Ian Dale, who is going to be, who you're going to hear interview with, Sean did earlier today. Um, his website, he got himself a very interesting interview with co-chairman David Sullivan. Um, and we're going to talk through some of the main things that were covered yeah. Uh, amazing he scooped you know sky sports all the tabloids all the broadsheets uh you know knees up mother brown all of them and apparently he's been you'll hear on the interview he was asking david gold last year and was supposed to do something and and david gold as he says on the interview uh probably won't do another interview so you know i've i've seen a number of the guardian published something you're saying sky sports did you're talking about david sullivan when you keep saying david yeah gold. david sullivan sorry i say david sullivan i mean david uh, sorry i say david gold i mean david sullivan that's because david, <laughs> anyway, david gold's in your heart isn't he? Loves <laughs> david you love gold. him yeah anyway uh yeah go on go on go on go on, george. Go on george read well, the out first, the subjects from the one of the biggest points from the first part of the interview which i think i believe there's still two parts to come we're on part six as we speak. Eleven thousand words that ian dale's um, transcribed denver bar giving him the chance to walk out if we got relegated was the biggest mistake he's ever made in his life of his life saying something isn't it yeah do you think it just means in relation to football I think, I, 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 as you know, I've met David Sullivan, right? And I find him a very honest... Small guy. Frank. Uh, His name's David. Sorry? His name's <laughs> David, not Frank. Carry on, yeah. And I just think that, um, you know, he does. When he says something, he really means it. And he's really passionate about West Ham. And, he, you know, he said to me the biggest mistake of his life is 
you know, not appointing a, a new manager and letting Avram Grant. So, <laughs> so it might change by by the month. But this bar thing is interesting because David Gold says on his Twitter it wasn't an option. And there was no point, you know, you couldn't, he wouldn't have come to us if we hadn't have put that clause in the contract. But the interview with David Sullivan seems to say something else. Well, he and says basically, it was quite, it was his agent who basically just said, well, if you're going to halve his wages, yeah. if you get relegated, then. David Sullivan sort of says, if you're going to halve his wages, if you go down to the championship, then we want this clause in there. Give us the option to walk away. Which sort of goes against what David Gold's been saying all along when been asked. Yeah, so. but they, they quite often go against each other. And he, you know, in, on other points as well, as we've been through. Mm. And, we've through and Babar is an interesting one of how much money, you know, what he said is we only paid half a million pounds for him, by the way. Did you read that? Yeah. yeah. We paid half a million pounds for him. Poor the five Hoffenheim. and a half million was going to come from... Yeah, see, Hoffenheim, the ones who got stuck. Hoffenheim was deal, big time. And, and yet again, he's got this big, uh, allegedly, sell-on clause that where, you know, um, I think... Half the money goes to him. And yeah, well, money. I think... Did they say that Newcastle... Because it's been on the Newcastle blogs. He only gets three million. That's yeah, no, he Newcastle gets, gets, he gets half. He gets half of whatever the transfer fee is. So yeah. I think I think it's he gets sold that, for seven million. He'll get three and a half yeah. million pounds. Well, seven, according to that, he's well, got seven good luck million to him. Buy. Good luck to him. Anyway, the next one, George. I thought this was probably the most interesting and telling one of all the facts that came out of the interview so far. Um, under Avram Grant, David Sullivan noticed noticed groups of the foreign players and the English players. And it seemed like the English players were planning something to sort of... Undermine Avram. Undermine Avram, yeah. Which really? I think really shows the divide and what went wrong under Avram. Yeah, as I say, I know that he thinks it was a, you know, big mistake. And, and you're, another thing you're going to hear on the Ian Dale interview is whether he takes some of the responsibility when they're talking about things releasing, the Martin O'Neill appointment and Ian Dale Dale thinks he had something to do well he he released it on his website about the rumour about Ian Dale and it was in the papers Martin O'Neill Martin O'Neill um but (laughs) wasn't but yeah go on but 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 he's saying that 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 if something scuppered a deal that was scuppered the deal I mean he appointed two agents as you probably read about it but you know us talking about things sometimes can have major consequences. And, and as West Ham bloggers and everything else, did that one thing have an effect of Martin O'Neill not coming and therefore sticking with Avril and getting relegated? Do we all have to take some of the blame? Maybe. I ain't taking any blame. All right, um, let's move on to up. You don't said, blog or tweet very much, <laughs> so you so won't get blamed for nothing. Thank you. But Matt Upson really let him down. Yeah. And that whilst he was in charge at Birmingham, Upson sort of begged him to leave and let him go to West Ham. And then whilst Sullivan was at West Ham, he felt that Upson let him down, let the whole team down, didn't play up to his potential and how good he can be. And the year before his contract ran out, he turned down a £6 million move to Sunderland, which would have brought £6 million into the club, which I'm sure we could have used, or we still could use. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he said it was beneath him, didn't yeah, he? he said Sunderland. Yeah, he, he, said was Sunderland too, he was too, he was good, too for good for Sunderland, yeah. was his words. Anyway. Which is funny You now. can read more of that on West Ham Till I Die. Um, 
We went in three times for Carlos Tevez on loan, and three times we were told by City, no chance. No chance. Yeah, that's an interesting section as well. Not as interesting as the next we one. Went in for Torres we went in for, But did you hear it? They went, <laughs> you know, he's not firing all cylinders. A cheeky one of going, we're taking from months of a, you know, loan. Get him firing, get his confidence back, and then send him back to you. You've got to admire the ball. And yeah, yeah. Chelsea replied, not at this moment in time. Love it. Um, Benny McCarthy cost us £7 million overall, yeah. so that's payoff wages. details on that, didn't he? Yeah, you mm. read, read that bit, that's pretty interesting. That's it, a good bit. What he's basically saying there is that Zola said, yeah, get, no, get, he's, get he, me McCarthy, I'll he keep you up. He sort of says, yeah, about saying, Zola, you know, did we give him en- enough time? Probably not, but... But he picked that player to know, keep him up and look and what he was... Million quid. Yeah. And finally, George. Sean, you can do this one because I know you feel really passionately about this. Well, yeah, he talks about the Olympic Stadium, no decision yet, you know, and, and redeveloping Upton Park is an option, but might be limited to 40 something thousand. 45,000. 45,000. Um, but, you know, it was obvious That's in the probably interview enough, he, you was, know. He, was, he was hesitant to do it. I still think they're going to put a bid in. We're going to talk about this on the, on the Sport Advisory Board. But, you know, what I really recommend is you're going to hear the interview in a minute. Go and read the, well, at the moment it's six parts. I think it's going to be eight parts, is it? On, on westhamtillidie.com by Ian Dale. There's your name check. There's your name check. The whole thing's there. <laughs> and speaking of Ian Dale, here is Sean's interview of him earlier today. And now we welcome to more than just a podcast, um, a celebrity West Ham fan. It's Ian Dale. He's uh, the founder of West Ham Till I Die, um, ex-political blogger, uh, publisher, and author of a recent West Ham book, When Football Was Football. And now, Ian, you're a radio presenter for LBC in London. Well, lots of fingers and lots of pies. <laughs> <laughs> and you did try uh, your hand at being an MP once, didn't you? Yeah, that's all behind me now. I've grown out of that. <laughs> right, well, this, this is West Ham related, so we won't talk about that. Um, straight into it. Um, how did your love affair with West Ham start? Um, well, in a rather odd way, that I suppose maybe typical for boys from Essex, in that I was a, West Ham, a Manchester United fan in the early 1970s when I was like 10. And then they got relegated, and uh, the shame of supporting a relegated side for a primary school pupil was too much. And uh, my best friend uh, was a West Ham supporter, so I thought, well, being easily led, I thought, okay, well, I'll switch to West Ham. And... Uh, Obviously, haven't regretted a moment since. And you're, you're still a season ticket. I know you used to be a season ticket holder. With all your, your fame and celebrity and your workload now, um, do you still go along with, with the normal crowd? You, yeah. you haven't got your own box? <clears throat> oh, yeah, right. I, w- I wish I had enough money. Well, I mean, you know, actually, I don't wish I had enough money to do that because I did go into a box for one home game um, about four years ago. And it was like watching the match on television. You just didn't feel part of it. You didn't feel part of the crowd. And I vowed never, ever to go into a box again because it was just awful. But no, I've been a season ticket holder for, what, 20, yeah, 20 years now. Um, I had one season where I left it because it was when I went into politics when I was trying to be a, uh, well, I was a candidate in the 2005 election. That's the only year that I've missed. I I still went to some games, but I just didn't have the time. Of course, now doing what I do on the radio, it's difficult for midweek games because they don't like you having one one night off. So I sit there when there's a home match, um, 
with my laptop in front of me, sort of uh, broadcasting to the nation with one eye on uh, what's going on on the football, which is okay when it's going well, but you, you sort of have to be professional about it and try and not let your reaction show. But I mean, I, I remember one, I think it was when we beat Stoke 2 1, was it in the League Cup? Um, scored in the last minute, and I had Stephen Timms, the East Ham MP, with me, obviously, as a West Ham supporter, too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm afraid we let our exuberance get the better of us that particular night. But uh, um, but I still go to a, every home game uh, on the weekend. Yeah, well, you're in good company, because it seems to be that most of media seems to support West Ham, particularly in the tabloid media. It seems to be part of your CV, if, if uh, you want to be a journalist, that you must support West Ham. That, that's true, actually. There are a hell of a lot of fo- football journalists, and not just them, actually. There are a lot of political journalists um, that support West Ham. Simon Walters, the political editor of the Mail on Sunday, um, he comes quite a lot. Nigel Morris, who's um, Home Affairs editor on The Independent, he's usually sitting in Ken's Cafe before a game. There are a lot of... Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but West Ham do seem to be the most supported team in, in the media. And, and good for them. Um, let's move on to your website. What, what made you start West Ham Till I Die? I don't know how long it's been running, but I can remember it for a, for a long, long time, certainly since almost the birth of the internet. Well, I think... Well, it's not quite that long. <laughs> I, I, I think I started it in about February 2000... And, it must have, was it 2000 I think it must have been 2006. Um, and I, I, I don't know whether I've remembered this right, but I think we lost Fulham at home, or, or they scored a last-minute equaliser or something like that. And I can remember driving down Barking Road at about 80 miles an hour, banging the steering wheel. Really, I mean, I was just felt so angry at what had happened. And I thought, well, I've got this political blog, which I sort of, like, I don't know, 100,000 people a month read. I thought, well, let's start a football blog. Let's start a West Ham blog. So I went home, um, created it on WordPress, and then put a thing on the Knees Up Mother Brown site, and within an hour, a thousand people had looked at it, and I thought, well, that's a good start. So it, it's really gone on from there. And I've tried to make a sort of a slight oasis of calm in the in the football blogosphere because so many football websites are very shouty and aggressive places, and I've tried to stamp on that. I mean, it still happens occasionally, um, and it, it's, I think it is seen as a bit of a different kind of, of site. Um, I wish I had more time to devote to it. I've got a, another couple of people who write articles too, um, but I'm thinking how to develop it now because I'm, I'm now getting about 50 or 60,000 individuals a month look at it, and that's quite a big readership. So I may well over the next six months look at how I can redesign it and develop it more. Yeah, well, you talk about some of your contributors. Um, Certainly, um, some would say that your website started a Tevez rumour on the Saturday. Uh, I think one of your contributors, uh, Bradley, yeah. uh, started off. I retweeted it as well, since it came <laughs> from your site to my 11,000 followers. And uh, the power of blogging within, I mean, there was a media frenzy within an hour or so. And yeah. I bet it made it odds on favourite. I mean, this is crazy. And I know you asked David Sullivan about, you know, whether websites had ever scuppered a deal. Um, I mean, what, what's your view on the whole Tevez rumour and uh, well, the, the fallout? It, it really is a very difficult judgment to make in that my judgment was that this guy who had been a regular reader, had always been quite sensible to my mind, seemed to have some sort of inside information. I'd been following his tweets 
Um, so I asked him to write the pieces for the site. Now, I mean, in these things, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because sometimes, I mean, I, I have heard rumors before and dismissed them as complete fantasy and not written about them. And then, of course, the next day they come true. You think, oh, God, I, I missed a trick there. But obviously you don't want to give validity to every single rumor. But this just seemed to have, I don't know, I, I just thought it had an element of truth about it. And I mean, in a sense it did, because they had been trying to get him. Um, I think he maybe overplayed that one a bit. But if you look at all of the other players that he was touting, we went in for all of them. Now, we didn't sign them all, but we certainly went in for all of them. So, um, I mean, some people thought I shouldn't have given him that platform. But I've got absolutely no regrets about it, really, okay. because I, I, I think he provided something. Now, um, one thing I do slightly have a regret about was um, the Martin O'Neill thing. Where I mean, David Sullivan didn't name Martin O'Neill in the interview, but it was quite clear that's yes, who he was referring to. Um, and I did uh, write quite a big story on that at the time. Um, now, if if that story contributed to him not coming, then that, that is a great shame. But on the other hand, you'd have to say, well, he's a pretty flaky personality if he just let a couple of newspaper or blog articles um, mean that he, he didn't come. I mean, in some ways you'd say, well, maybe maybe that did, did the club a favour because, I mean, we all know what his record is for sort of walking out on clubs anyway when, it, when the going oh. gets tough. So, I mean, I think he would have been a good manager for West Ham, but the fact that he appointed two agents to handle it for him says something too. But the way the, the media is now, um, and the way that sort of 24-hour news, I mean, not just politics, but in the world of sport as well, there's a 24-hour news agenda, clearly it's very difficult to keep deals secret. Now, I think when a, when a club does do that, um, I mean, like the Ravel Morrison one, for instance, that was kept secret right up until the last minute. And um, and they pulled that one off. So I think David Sullivan has probably learned a few lessons about because he doesn't really say much nowadays. He came under a lot of criticism initially for shooting his mouth off. The, the interview he's done with me. Well, the interview he's <laughs> well the interview he's done with me. I think is the first one he's done for quite a few months, and he says he's not doing any more this season. Now um, I reckon he. The reaction to the, and I've only posted five, five parts of the interview um, as, as we talk now, but I think the um, the reaction to it so far probably will encourage him to do more. But hopefully, he'll just do it with me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's cool. It's caused a big storm. It's an amazing scoop for the website uh, and for you. And you know, it's an amazing frank interview from him. I oh, I was reading last night. Um, the it was being re. Um, uh, transmitted on on the Newcastle website. It's full credit to your yeah. website, so they've listened to your little footnote. Um, <laughs> and um, what, what's know, a shame? Some of the West Ham other West Ham sites haven't. But well, maybe. you know that plagiarism happens all the time in, on the West Ham blogs. They're often written by you know twelve year olds often or fifteen year olds. Um, so I I, I, I think it was a, a, amazing uh, revelation. I, I met David Sullivan at the first uh, supporter advisory board. And I collared him with his son, Jack, and, and only spent about 10 minutes talking to him over lunch. But what he told me in those 10 minutes was, was pretty amazing, much to the disgust yeah. of Karen Brady and uh, Greg, the PR person, who just wanted to pull him away from me. <laughs> so I, I know what he's like. I mean, well, the, the thing you? is, I mean, I, I, I found myself in a situation where I was almost having to censor the interviewee because, uh, I mean, there, there were one or two things. So he thought, well, he can't say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, it, it, well, I asked him for an interview quite a long time ago, near, near the beginning of the season, and we did arrange a date. Um, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest in that I, I never really sort of like, I'd never met David Sullivan, but from what I saw, what I heard, I didn't think I'd like him. And anyway, at the last minute, I couldn't make that date. Something came up and I couldn't do it. And I didn't immediately rearrange it, um, partly because I think there was just sort of this little voice saying, oh, you're not going to like him. Uh, do you really want to do this? And of course, everyone then got the impression that it was him that wouldn't do it. It wasn't at all that. Um, we did look at rearranging it before Christmas, but that didn't work out. Um, and I just emailed him what, a couple of weeks ago and said, right, come on, let's, let's do this. And he said, absolutely. And so we set the date. And slightly to my surprise, I did find myself liking him. The way I do interviews, I don't think you get anything out of people, whether they're politicians. I mean, I do this on my LBC show. I don't go into an interview with any agenda at all. I don't even kind of regard them as interviews. I, regard, I do regard them as conversations because I think if you do it like that, you get far more out of people than if you think you're Jeremy Paxman all the time. Because if you put someone on the defensive, if you ask them a really aggressive question to start with, don't be surprised that you don't get anything out of them. And I think that approach certainly works well in this interview. Good. Well, I think, you know, we're going to cover it on the podcast with, with full credit to you, of course, and your website. Uh, but, you know, the things about bar ups and the US Stadium, Benny, Tevez, Rhodes, there's it, so much juicy stuff and with some real hard figures. So uh, we won't go across it and ask you the questions, but we're, we're going to cover it on. Um, moving on, like me, you're on the West Ham advisory board, but I'm not sure you've been to a meeting yet with your... Well, I c that, that's your the problem job. for me, because my show starts at yeah. seven. I can't do them. At that. They, the reason I said I, I would go on it was they said some of the meetings would be during the day. Well... So far, they haven't been, so yeah. I just haven't been able to go. So you're probably aware this Thursday we've got our first meeting of the Olympic Committee where over 70 of the 100 people are on. 
it, it, they've said it's a listening brief. I mean, what, what's your views? A lot of people think that the, the, the supporters advisory board is just a, you know, PR stunt. And, and, and more importantly, where do you sit on the side of the Olympic Stadium? Are you in the pro camp, uh, sitting on the fence, or are the against camp? Well, I, I understand why people think that anything like this is a PR stunt, and um, I think those people who are on it certainly don't feel like that. I know several people who are, and they, they feel that it's been handled well. Uh, David Sullivan, I think he was actually the instigator of it. He certainly seems to take it very seriously. Um, so I, I don't think it is a PR stunt at all. On the, on the Olympic Stadium, um, I was always very much in favour. My head was telling me to be in favour. My heart, obviously, was telling me something different. Um, I was in favour when it looked as if we were going to buy it. I'm less in favour now because I cannot see what the advantages are for us in renting because they've taken away the naming rights. They've taken away the catering rights. Um, it won't be our home. That's the problem. So I think, I mean, it would not at all surprise me if West Ham didn't bid. Now, um, I've just posted the Olympic Stadium bit of the interview with David Sullivan, and yeah. it's, it's the one which I think people will be most disappointed with because he doesn't act, he can't say it this time. And you have to understand the position that they're in. They're, they're deciding whether to bid. It's all very sensitive. And I had to accept that if I sort of just kept relentlessly questioning him, I wasn't going to get anything at all. So, I mean, he, to be honest, he didn't want to talk about it at all. Um, so I understand their position on that. I think that um, it's quite clear that if we don't make that bit, if we don't get it, um, they will want to redevelop Upton Park. They're not looking at other sites, um, from what David Sullivan said. So... Um, I think redeveloping the East Stand, filling in the, 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 the other corners, I think we could get 45,000 then, and that will have to do us for now. Yeah, well, he seems to rule out a, a ballot as well, which I know uh, West Ham View campaign has been calling you, asking that question, and he, he seems to be saying, you know, that, that's not very feasible, and uh, I, I sort of agree with him on that. So, well, we, we, we'll I, even if it were feasible, I'm not sure what the point of it would be. Um, yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not going to do something that's binding. As he said, the club is not a democracy, yeah. and in the end, the owners have to be judged by what they do. I think opinion is split on it. Um, we all know that, so I'm not quite sure... And these things are expensive to do. I mean, I suggested if they did it, they should use the Electoral Reform Society. Well, that would cost quite yeah. a few thousand pounds to do, and I'm, I'm not sure it would take us any further forward. Yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll see. I think they will make a bid, but I, I will listen uh, intently on Thursday. I know we're going to have to sign a confidentiality, so I'm going to respect that and, and not pass out unless, unless we're allowed to do so. Moving on to stuff on the pitch. So, uh, really, what, what do you think the season so far? Where do you think we finish? And, and your tip for hammer of the year? Um, it hasn't been a particularly entertaining season. I, I don't think any of us probably thought it would be, partly because of the way championship football is played and partly because of the manager that was appointed. Um, there, there hasn't really been a single game at Upton Park where we knew we were going to win right from sort of the 10th or 15th minute. And you would expect for a team that's top of the table, or well, now second, uh, to have played quite a few games where they would have played the opposition off the park. Now, I think that happened against Blackpool, but I can't really think of any other games. Now, I wasn't at the Southampton game, but David Sullivan reckons for the first 20 minutes of that, that we played some brilliant football. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I hope that develops over the rest of the season because you, you get the feeling that there's another gear that they haven't quite switched into yet. And I, maybe some of the, uh, maybe Vaz Tay and Mickey Maynard can, can achieve that. I mean, I, I hope that Carrie and Pickian really don't get a look in now because I think Pickian certainly has been a complete and utter letdown this season. Yeah. And I, I think... I mean, Maynard, on Tuesday, from what people tell me, showed some really good flashes. I think Bulldog, we still haven't really seen the best of him. Um, but I think we've got to get, you've got to get a situation where you've got uh, width, and that's what we've lacked this season. When Taylor's been injured, there's been no width, there's been no one really to play set pieces. Um, I can't remember when Mark Noble ever scored from a set piece, but Taylor always looks as if he will. Um, I think my, my hammer of the year so far, it would be between... Um, well, there were three, I think. It would be between Rob Green, James Tompkins, and Mark Noble. And, and as as we stand now, I think Mark Noble, because yeah. I think um, over the last month or two, he's been absolutely um, astonishing in, in in his performances. He gets a lot of criticism on my blog, unfairly, I think. <laughs> um, I, I think he's really stepped up to the mark um, and, and been able to sort of replace... Scott Parker, and the fact that Kevin Nolan really hasn't put in the performance yet, okay, he scored seven goals, but I can't remember a good game that he's really had. Um, Mark Noble has ha- had to really cover him a bit, I think. Great. Do you, where do you think we finish? Automatic promotion, or do you think there, there's still some time to, for us to well, slip a little? Of course there's time for us to slip. I mean, you look at, we, we still have to play some of the leading sides. And you look at Birmingham coming up, you look at yep. Reading. Um, I, I do feel that Southampton are probably going to slip. But I think Birmingham, uh, Reading, maybe Hull, um, Cardiff, possibly. I'm not doing quite well. Sorry, my dog's making I can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's a guarantee that we will get automatic promotion. I mean, obviously, we've all got to hope so. I mean, the playoffs are terribly exciting for those who win. Um, but we, I, I remember what it was like going to Cardiff and playing Crystal Palace and that long drive home. Now, OK, we wouldn't have a long drive home this time, but I don't want to go through the playoffs again. I'm sure nobody else does. No. I mean, it would be nice to have a Dame Wembley finally, but I don't want it under those circumstances. Final question. Uh, I know you published uh, Jeremy Nicholas's book, which I enjoyed. Even my wife enjoyed, and she doesn't like football. Uh, Any future projects on the horizon? Well, there is, actually. There is. Um, I mean, it's annoying in a way, because when we we took on um, Jeremy's book, and we also did Robert Banks' An Irrational Hatred of Luton, the reprint of that, um, the club shop, shop sold quite a lot of copies, but now they, in their wisdom, have now decided they're not going to sell books, um, or they're only going to sell books if they're official books by the club. So we, we now can't get our books sold in the West Ham club shop, which I'm not very pleased about. Um, I did uh, express that to David Sullivan, but um, I don't think they're going to back down on it. <laughs> anyway, we are doing another one um, in August, and it's um, called There's Only One Stevie Bacon, and it's basically uh-huh. Stevie Bacon's autobiography. Now, um, he has got the, a minefield of anecdotes. Under um, Redknapp and um, Glenn Roder, he was allowed in the dressing room uh, at half-time and after the matches, so... Um, there's a lot that he's got to say, and, he, and he's, he's got uh, Kirk Blows is helping him write it. Um, so we have high hopes for that. 
Excellent. Well, I saw Stevie um, taking pictures of Miss Essex uh, on Valentine's night at Southampton. <laughs> I, I took a picture and put it on Twitter, so I, I look forward to that. Anyway, thanks for being interviewing on more than just a podcast, and uh, hope to speak to you uh, maybe in the Premiership next year. Let's hope so. Cheers. Cheers, Ian. That was Sean earlier speaking to Ian Dale, author of West Ham Till I Die. Um, and and his book, When Football Was Football. When football was football. Hmm. Um, and his interview with David Sullivan. It's yes. very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to say hello to Mrs. Clunge. Hello, it's nice to be back. Um, West Ham is set to name a record shirt sponsor deal if we win promotion this season. Um, we're looking at 2.5 million a year just for the shirt sponsor. Um, the West Ham away shirt has sold a record 39,000 this year. Home shirts, 52,000. Our record on that is 63. Um, Carew is trying to agree a loan deal to Trabzonspor in Turkey. Wages are a problem for that, as he's on 31k a week. It's a game of brinksmanship with the Olympic Stadium. Um, Upton Park can be expanded by knocking down the East End and rebuilding, but 42k is about the limit for a reconstruction at Upton Park. Um, West Ham would ask for funding for redevelopments like Spurs have received, um, as we would be creating local jobs and things. At best, there's 40% chance of West Ham moving to the Olympic Stadium. It is edging towards staying at the Bolin now, as the naming rights will go to the Olympic people. West Ham are unlikely to make loan signings this loan window, as the squad is complete now, bar any major injuries. Um, we will hope to sign Robert Snodgrass in the summer if we go up and a top keeper, although a deal for Almunia is being considered. Um, Matt Upson's agent is trying to get a loan deal for his client. It looks like West Ham's worst captain ever isn't having the best time at Stoke. Um, no chance in a million years that we were going for him. He's greedy and crap and Gold of Sullivan are furious with his behaviour last summer. Uh, there is a deal on the table for George McCartney. He's a free agent in the summer, a two-year deal, around 26 grand a week. Um, and the Tevez deal is not going to happen. Man City will not loan the player out to anyone, guaranteed. See you next week. Thank you again, Mrs. Clunge. Um, very insightful. Yeah, some always. interesting stuff there. Um, there'll be no, no David Gold top. question time this week, Sorry. unfortunately. Um, Comedy voices just wouldn't be the same without our uh, under-21 midfielder. Reese Jones. Jones. So that respect for him. Bring that back next week without Sean, though, however, because Sean's going on a world tour. We'll do the advisory board thing next. Sean, we're going on, you're going on a world tour. Yes, I am. Week. I'm uh, off to um, Korea, South Korea in Seoul this weekend, so I'm going to miss the Palace match. But I will be trying to, we're going to try and get some technology for me to Skype in, whether that will work or not. But I am looking for supporters in Korea, particularly Seoul, that can meet up do a little interview and be part of the podcast. And after that, I come back for a week and a half and then I'm going off to Singapore and then on to Australia. I'm in Brisbane, um, Melbourne and Sydney and then I'm into Hong Kong in China and then back at home again. So that's my world tour. If you happen to live in any of those cities, drop us an email, tweet us and you could be part of the podcast too. There you go. So... 
There will be a t-shirt. is technically going on tour. More than just a podcast on tour, t-shirt and DVD will be available after the world tour. (laughs) Really? Yeah. No. Maybe you'll have we plenty could do of that. Time. Yeah, you'd have loads of time sat if in you, hotel rooms. You, <laughs> you might as well design something. If you film a bit, I can make a DVD. Okay. DVD. Um, and you're also going to the Supporter Advisory Board meeting this Thursday evening, Sean, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, so one of the reasons I joined the Supporters Advisory Board is for puppet. the Olympic... I'm going to ignore that, John. <laughs> is for the Olympic Stadium Committee. And there's about 75 of us. Ian Dale is, is one of those members. And we've been waiting for a long time <laughs> um, to have the meeting. Uh, very short notice. Last Thursday, we got an email to say the Olympic Advisory Board for the Olympic Stadium, is this Thursday coming. Did you see David Gull's tweet saying, are you going? And he yeah. said, no, but if I'm invited, I would. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that was from me, yeah? Oh, he tweeted that to Sean. Yeah. Yeah, so I tweeted David Gold and said, are you going? He said, no, but I would invite it. And I replied back, don't worry, I'll get you invite. I'll get Esther to invite you. So I emailed Esther with a copy of the tweet and said, you might want to invite David Gold. So if he turns up, it's because I invited him or got him on the list. Well done. So, I don't know, um, I did ask Ian Dale, as you heard earlier, about um, whether, you know, like John thinks this is just a PR stunt, the Supporters Advisory Board, but they've been quite upfront and honest and said, look, you know, we can't say too much because the bid, we're going to brief you what the new bid and the old bid, we're going to, it's going to be a listening brief to take in all of your concerns, etc. So I'm saying to everyone, if you've got a concern, I'm going on Thursday, tweet us. Tweet either more than just a podcast or George or myself at West Ham Football. Tell us what your concerns are uh, and and I will help lobby those. You know, I know that the cynic John will believe that <laughs> this is a load of old rubbish and just lip service. But we going. on the West Ham Advisory Board do believe it's got some purpose and I do believe they would uh, listen and take some of those things into... But, they but can't as, make any money now. If I, if I can make the money they want it to make. Well, there's it. I don't know what I can say after it. I will say what I can. We are signing a confidentiality clause. So you're not going to be able to tweet sign in a while. from the meeting. Well, we're going to have to sign a sign, uh, confidentiality agreement with the club, and we are going to have to obey by the Olympic Legacy Committee as well. We're going to be party to that as well. So I, I won't risk breaking that but I so will you're not say tweeting live from the meeting i will only tweet stuff which they approve that can go out yes i might do the old picture and the old update and say the meeting started etc that's nice will you tell us off air sean uh that would be part of my confidentiality agreement of <laughs> course i wouldn't george because i wouldn't dream of breaking it well um, done sean do we have any Twitter questions, Sean? Did you ask for any? No, Twitter because questions? I didn't ask for any. I, I uh, was talking <laughs> to... Oh, we've got some exciting news. The reason I didn't do any Twitter questions is because I was interviewing West Ham legend David Cross. George had to ask me who David Cross was. I'll admit that but one. But he I is quite young. Him. George is only 19. So, obviously, he'd retired I by then. I didn't even know his name. David Cross... Uh, and for the younger people listening, uh, joined us in 1977. I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered for that, aren't I? Yeah. During the the world, during the Queen's Jubilee, and, uh, and left us supporter and all that. And he left us in 1982, and of course he was the lone striker in the FA Cup. Yeah. And so was that I, he left you, you us in 1982. Yes. What year were you born? Then. 1992. There we go. It's so ten no, years. When was the last time we actually won anything? 
2005. Yeah, what was that final? Oh, well, okay. So yeah, FA Cup. When was the last time we won the FA Cup? Um, Have you not watched that a few times? I've watched that, yeah. But it's Trevor Brookins' header. He's, uh, you'll, you'll see, David. David he's got, Cross he's got was a there. Anyway, I did a great, I think it was a great half an hour interview. We're going to split it in two parts. While I'm away in Korea, part one is going to be played. And I think we're going to do part two when I come back um, the following week. But uh, West Ham legend and, and a really nice guy to boot. Wee. Wee. Um, I think that wraps it up for another more than just a podcast podcast. Um, podcast. We have one Oh, section. of course. We've got, we've got Blackpool, Blackpool tomorrow. tomorrow Blackpool night. Rock. So. Win 2 0. It's got to be. How a win. are Blackpool playing at the moment? They're doing all right. They're doing all right, yeah. Mm. And they've got good team spirit, haven't they? You yeah. Know, Mr. Holloway keeps them going constantly. So, yeah, no, they're doing all right, but. We're know. better than them. I think. I mean. <sighs> We're probably going to go four five one with Cole up front. I'm not sure he will, Sean. We've, really? We thought that at the Southampton game. Yeah. I'm not sure he will. Now he's got Vastay and Maynard. It would just be nice to play with 11 men for the old yeah. players. Yeah, I think the main thing is let's try and keep all 11 men. It'd be nice, it would be nice to be able to keep this optimism going. It'd be nice to get a really decent mm. win with a good performance. So I'm going 2-0. Yeah. 2-0, scorers. Will it be online anyway, Sean? No, I don't think so. I've asked... Uh, and a few people asked David Golden and said, no, it's not on TV. I mean, there will be audio, audio commentary, obviously, on uh, BBC London. London and on uh, Sports for Free. So if you ever want to see, if there is a stream, it will be on sportsforfree.org. Right. George. Yeah, 2-0 for me. Ooh. Scorers, George. <laughs> Nicky Maynard and James Tompkins. I'm going to go for 1-0. And I'm going to go for a Mark Noble penalty. penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick with 2 0. And I'm 1 0, Mark Noble penalty. I'm going to go Carlton Cole. I think he's going to start feeling it now. You've got other strikers around, so he's going to try and pick up his game. It would be nice. So I'm going to go 2 0, West Ham. I was looking at some stats earlier, actually, and we've won a lot more games with Carlton Cole than without this year. And when he's not played, it's when we've lost. I'm hoping now this is the time where we said if we actually started playing well, no one would better stop us. And I, I the way we've performed in the last three games, I've got there's this little sus, suspicious feeling that we're starting to produce some performances, and this could be the time. So it would be so, nice. Just it would be nice consistently. So I won't be here next week. Good luck, boys. I hope you manage to get it all sorted. Um, well, we are going to try and get you on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you need to sort out the uh, Skype bit, so that's your uh, challenge for the week, George. Okay. I will be eight hours ahead of you um, in my time. So, what time? If we start here at eight o'clock, what time will it be where you are? I don't know. Do you want? Do you want to <laughs> take a four hazard o'clock in the morning? Four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. My, my the podcast will be four o'clock in the morning for me. I'm prepared to get up at four o'clock in the morning if you're prepared to get the Skype working. Would you rather start at nine so you can make it five? Would you rather that? That would, that would be nice. Or ten yeah. even. Yeah. We don't mind. We'll do Reese might. We'll do that for you, Sean. Do half nine. Half nine. Is, okay. Okay. Anyway, right. we're waffling. Yes, we are.
Okay. Right. Um, See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to More Than Just a Podcast podcast. Um, again, if you have any problems that you want to raise about the Olympic Stadium, then direct them to myself or Sean or the official More Than Just a Podcast Twitter at MoreTJPodcast. Um, see you next week and Sean have a nice trip thank you bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.